Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Well, good morning. My name is Brian Threlkeld, and uh, I'm the same. And that guy that did the hosting, we need to get him up here more often, don't you think? That was really good. Ruggedly handsome man. It was good stuff. Yeah, I'm talking about Troy. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I'm glad you are here today, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room with us this morning, uh, because I want to challenge all of us today in this new message series to do a little experiment that I believe will change your life forever. I know that's a pretty big statement, but I'm really, really serious about this. So for the first 45 years of his life, Frank Laubach, by his own admission, lived a pretty ordinary existence. He was a Christian who lived over in the Philippines. And on his 46th birthday, this is what he wrote in his journal. And maybe some of you can relate to this. He said, I no longer have the sense that life is all before me as I did a few years ago. Some of it's behind me and a miserable poor part of it so far below what I dreamed that I dare not even think of it. He says, nor dare I think much of the future. God is the only refuge I have from poisonous disappointment. Well, that's kind of a discouraging journal entry. But in that year... 1930, despite disappointment with his life so far, something changed. In fact, by 1970, when Frank Laubach passed away, his influence had spread worldwide. Encyclopedia Britannica notes that he was the single greatest educator of modern times. One year, he was voted man of the year in America. And in 1935, he developed the Each One Teach One literacy program that was used to teach over 60 million people how to read in their own language, from the Philippines to India to all across the globe. So something changed for Frank Laubach in that year, 1930. In fact, in the last 40 years of Laubach's life, he wrote 50 books. He had an international presence in literacy and religious and governmental circles, he had an influence on poverty that impacted presidents and spread all across the underdeveloped world. So what changed for Frank Laubach in that year, 1930? Well, he began a little experiment just like the one I'm going to challenge you to take today. And in his journal, published under the title, Practicing His Presence, he wrote this. He said, two years ago, a profound dissatisfaction led me to begin trying to line up my actions with the will of God about every half hour. People told me it was impossible. I judged from what I heard that few people are even trying this. But this year, I'm experimenting with living all my waking moments in conscious listening to the inner voice, asking without ceasing, Father, what do you want said? And Father, what do you want me to do in this moment? It's clear that this is exactly what Jesus was doing all day, every day. So Laubach began this experiment that I'm going to challenge all of us to take throughout this series. It's an experiment in moment by moment, consciously, consciously just communicating with God and being aware of his presence. It's what we call around here doing life with God. Have you heard us say that before? And Laubach actually described it this way. 
He said, it is this moment-by-moment surrender, responsiveness, obedience that I desire to experiment with for the rest of my life. And then after just 30 days, this is what he wrote in his journal. He said, I'm ashamed to confess that for 16 years as a Christian, I never felt the joy of full willingness until now. The sense of cooperation with God in little things is what so astonishes me. I need something, and I turn around to find it waiting for me. I must work to be sure, but there is God working along with me. My part is to live this hour in continuous inner conversation with God and in complete responsiveness to his will to make this hour unfathomably rich. This seems to be all I need to think about. Okay, that was after 30 days. Then after 60 days, this is what he wrote in his journal. He said, the experiment is interesting, although I'm not very successful thus far. The thought of God slips out of my sight, I suppose, two-thirds of every day. Yet this thing of trying to keep in constant contact with God is the most amazing thing I've ever run across. It is working. This hour can be heaven. Any hour for anybody can be rich with God. Now, a year into the experiment, he wrote this. Quote, worries have faded away like ugly clouds. My soul actually has peace. How I wish a dozen or more persons would try this, try to hold God endlessly in mind and write their experiences so that each of us would know what the other is finding as a result. The results, I think, would astound the world. At least the results of my own effort are astounding to me. And so I want to ask you, what might God do in and through you if you simply got in the habit of continuously communicating with him and you were willing to do his will throughout the day? That's what we're going to explore over the next five weeks in this series that we're calling The Experience. And I believe that this is what we were really created for. I believe this is why we were created, to have a real-life relationship with God. Acts 17, 27 says that God created us so that they, people, would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him... We live and move and have our being. Okay, it says God is with us. He's sustaining our very lives. But most of us go through life unaware of his presence. And yet this is exactly what Jesus modeled for us when he walked this earth, constant contact with the Father. In John 5, 19, Jesus said, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. And look at John 4, 34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me. And you may have seen survey questions from different companies that say, if you could change one thing about our company, what would that one thing be? Well, I'd like to ask that from a different perspective, from God's perspective. If you would ask Jesus, if you could change one thing about me, Jesus, for all of us here in this room, what might that one thing be? You know, I think I know. In the Bible, Jesus was once with some of his closest friends at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And you may know this story. Martha was busy putting food on the table. She was working really hard to serve Jesus and his friends, a good thing. But the way she was doing it was not so good. She was anxious. She was uptight. She was bitter. And Jesus said to her what he might say to some of us. See if he might put your name in here. Luke 10, 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Could he say that to you today? (laughs) There are many days where he's like, Brian, Brian. 
Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. And then this is the biggie right here. But only one thing is necessary. Did you catch that? Only one thing is necessary. Well, that would simplify life, wouldn't it? I mean, we all want a simple life. So what is this one thing we must do? Well, it says in Luke 10, 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. She was listening. She was staying in contact, paying attention to God. And Jesus said, Mary chose that one necessary thing. You see, the primary way we love God is by listening and responding to him. The problem, though, is that we go through life, and I include myself, we go through life self-focused, self-centered, rather than God-centered. And it's amazing to me because my parents didn't have to teach me how to do that. Okay, I just learned naturally how to be self-centered rather than God-centered. In fact, what's a toddler's favorite phrase? Mine, mine, me, me. I remember when our oldest son, Nick, was a toddler and just asserting a little bit of independence, uh, he learned this phrase, no me, no me. As, as a parent, you, you really don't want to hear that, do you? <laughs> but sometimes he would look at us and say, no me. Like you're trying to help him with something, and sometimes I'd try to help him with his bottle, and he'd push you away and say, no me. Or I, I'm just helping him put toys together, no me. Getting him in the car seat, no me. He wanted to do it himself. Like, I got this. No, me. Now, whenever he, whenever he had a dirty diaper, that's when I would draw the line, okay? <laughs> yeah, I would hold him out, stare him in the eye and say, no, mom, okay? <laughs> that's what you do as a dad. <laughs> Just showing we're all self-focused, right? <laughs> so, See, I believe that was the main thing Jesus was always trying to get across. In fact, on the night before he was crucified, Jesus is heading to the Garden of Gethsemane. You probably know this story. And on the way there, he, he reaches down, he picks up a branch. He says, guys, you're like this branch. Think about it. A branch doesn't have to work real hard to produce fruit. It, it just stays connected to the source. It stays connected to the vine, and fruit happens. And then he said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do, say it with me, nothing. Whoa. Okay, if that's true, then this must be the one thing, the only thing we have to do to produce fruit. And I know some of you are going, wait a second. Apart from Jesus, I can do a lot of stuff. I can do a lot of humanitarian good. I can be a good mom. I can be a good dad. Yes, yes, yes. I think that's exactly what Jesus was trying to say. You can keep yourself real busy do-gooding and miss the whole point of your existence. The whole point is to learn to do life, to love this creator God, to love him first and let him teach you how to love others better. You know, it talks about this in Galatians 5, 16 and 22. Paul says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Okay, that's this daily walk, moment by moment with God then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. See, it's kind of automatic. You got the Spirit controlling you. You're not going to fall back into that. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
I mean, this is saying if you just do this one thing, let the Spirit guide you. Talk with Him. Let Him lead you. You really don't have to focus on all that other stuff. You don't even have to focus on trying to stop all that other bad stuff. Just do this one thing, and God's Spirit will naturally grow in you the kind of fruit that helps you be a more loving, life-giving person. When we learn to stay connected moment by moment to God's Spirit, talking over our day with Him, our struggles, our desires, our questions, responding to Him, then it becomes more natural to do the loving thing. And love is what it's all about. I mean, Jesus put it this way on his last night on earth. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you, say it with me, love one another. That's what this 60-day experiment is all about, learning to love God better so he can lead you to be a more naturally loving person. So this 60-day experiment, it begins... It begins this way. It begins with becoming aware of God's presence, moment by moment by moment. Now, how many of you have ever seen the Where is Waldo books? Remember those? I don't know if they still publish those or not. But it's all these pictures, right, of very busy, crowded scenes. And somewhere in that picture is this little guy, Waldo, with a goofy-looking hat. And you're supposed to try to find the dude. And and if you're sitting there with somebody else, you can turn it into a competition, like who can find Waldo the fastest? And at first, it's not easy to spot him. You really have to focus. You got to concentrate. But if you do it, if you play that game a lot, over time, it gets to where you can spot him faster and faster and easier and easier. Well, in many ways, that's what it's like to become aware of God's presence, to live with a God awareness. You, You have to focus at first. You have to practice spotting where God is and what he's up to in your life. But it gets easier and easier over time. I mean, God promised this in 2 Chronicles 15 too. It says, the Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. Your creator is with you. And he is willing and capable of interacting with you. He can speak to your heart. He can speak to your mind and give you what you need to know. He can do that. But how do we do that? How do we become more aware? Well, I want you to stop whatever's going on in your mind right now and just try to be aware of this moment right here. Like, are you aware that in this moment, even as you've been listening to me, that God is here, that God is present? Your creator is here with you. You know, if you become aware of this moment, it can change your life. And, and I think I've thought about this. The truth is, I think a lot of us live everywhere except in this moment. And yet this moment is the only moment we have to encounter God. Some of us, we live many of our moments guilty and ashamed of our past. But are you even aware that the reason God did for you what he did in Jesus was to fully forgive you of that past so you can let it go and live with him in this moment? You know, some of us are running and hiding from God because we keep doing wrong things. We know it's wrong, but we can't seem to change. Maybe we're addicted. Maybe we're stuck. Are you aware that God is with you in this moment, and he's not here to condemn you? He's here to set you free. And, and you don't even have to figure out how that works. You just do this one thing, and God starts to do for you what you can't do for yourself. Now, on the flip side, many of us live in the future moments, don't we? 
I mean, we're so worried about what might happen, what might not happen, that we miss the only moment where we can encounter God, this one, the present. So awareness begins with slowing down in some of the moments of my life to experience God's presence and consider what he wants. And what God wants for you, his son, his daughter, is to learn to have a deep relationship with him, to live in an intimate relationship with him. But you can't have a close connection, a close relationship with someone if you're never aware of their presence, can you? So here's how this whole experiment is going to work, all right? You're going to need a watch or maybe an alarm clock, probably a cell phone, something along those lines. You're going to need some device that can beep at you every 60 minutes. You got something like that? Everybody have one of those? Okay. It's called the 60-60 experiment, and here's the way it works. We're going to do it for 60 days. And every 60 minutes, that device is going to beep at you. And the whole idea is this. We mostly go through the life, and, and we're in the habit of kind of ignoring God in most of the moments of our lives. And we're really thinking about my will be done rather than God's will be done. So whenever this device beeps at you, okay, then what you're doing is you're interrupting your habit of ignoring God. And they say it takes about 60 days to form a new habit. So the goal is to form this habit of becoming aware of God's presence and just communicating a little bit with him, staying in a conversation with God throughout your day. And really, the goal is not just to wait for the device to beep at you. So if you want, you, know, you can write 60-60 on your hand, write 60-60 on a little sticky note, put it on your rearview mirror of the car, your computer monitor. We were trying to remind ourselves that God is with me, and he loves me, and he cares about me. And then in those moments when we pause, we just talk to God. Say, am I headed in the right direction right now, Lord? Like, is this your will for me in this present situation? You know, have I been living connected to you and been willing to do your will over the past hour? And if not, where did I get off course? Help me to learn from my mistakes. And thank you that you love me and you're willing to guide me into the next hour. And remember this, the goal is not perfection, okay? The goal is progress, just progress. So will you devote 60 days to this and actually go all in? Just 60 days. Okay? You can always go back, but 60 days and see if it's not a better way to live with a little awareness of God, staying in conversation with him. Because here's the deal. Like any relationship, the more you communicate, the better you relate, right? And think about this. You're having a continuous conversation in your head right now anyway. So just include God in that. Have you ever thought about that? You're having a conversation with yourself, even right now. You're thinking, this guy is crazy up here. <laughs> yeah, you are. You think, I can't do that. He doesn't know what my work schedule's like. I'm busy. I got a lot to do. He's a pastor. Like, what does he do? Huh? <laughs> Speaks a couple times on Sunday, probably golfs all week. I don't know. But I got stuff to do. I mean, there's this and there's that. And I, can't, I can't do this. You ready for some really, really good news? <laughs> you don't have to change your schedule at all, not one bit. This does not change what you do in life. It just changes how you go through life. And I'm telling you, you're having this conversation all the time. Whether you've thought about it, some of you are just now realizing, whoa, I really do talk to myself all the time. That's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> no, everybody does that, okay? Just include God in this conversation. It's going on anyhow. Include the God who already knows everything in your head and just talk things through with him. See, that's the whole idea. And then in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about how do you hear from God? 
And you're not going to want to miss any of these because they kind of build on one another. But just start with becoming aware that God is really with me and God really wants to guide me. Now, I know that probably half of you here will not be willing to commit 60 days to the 60-60 experiment because in your mind, you're picturing a 60-60 flogging, right? <laughs> hey, you're picturing in your mind that every hour, you know, every 60 minutes, you're going to be reminded of all the wrong things that you've done and are doing. And, you know, it's like an hourly whipping of shame and guilt for you. That's not what this is about. And actually, this is where Jesus comes in. Did you realize that Jesus came to this earth to live the perfect life you couldn't live? Anybody out here still trying to be perfect? Because if you are, cut it out, all right? You're not going to get there. If you set perfection as a standard, you're going to be so disappointed. And if you think that's where God's like, oh, yeah, you know, if you're not perfect, I'm going to slam you. No. That's why Jesus came. In fact, not only did he live the perfect life for you, then he went took all your sins on himself, and died for them all. If you put your faith in Jesus, all of your sins have been forgiven. And you know why he did that? It's to free you from that fear of condemnation. I want you to listen carefully to what God says to all of us in Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's say that together. Can we say that? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation, people. So if you put your faith in Jesus, you're still feeling condemned. That's not coming from God. It may be coming from the enemy. Romans 8, 5 says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So that's our goal to align our minds with God's mind, with Spirit's desires. It's moment by moment setting our minds not on our old fleshly ways, our old self-centered ways, but on God's will and God's ways. You know, Jesus came to this earth to show us, to reveal to us the God who loves us, who God is and what his heart is in a way that we can relate to. And in John 13 to 16, we have captured some of the last words that Jesus said to his disciples. And he was trying to assure them and us that this God is the kind of God you're going to want to do life with. And so what I want to do here as we close is I want to summarize these chapters. I'm going to read kind of a paraphrase of God's attributes that come out in these chapters. And I want to encourage you to just sit back and listen. You can look up these passages later. But I want you to ask right now, why wouldn't I want to go all in and encounter this God? So here's what Jesus promised. I wrote some of these down. First of all, he said, the creator, God is a lover. God loves you more than anyone, more than you can imagine. The creator has power and authority over everything. How about doing life with a God like that, that you can trust? He's got power and authority over everything. The creator is humble. The creator is a servant. In this passage, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. The creator doesn't force himself on us, people. Nobody's going to make you jump in and try this experience. God's not going to do it, but he's waiting for you. He's waiting to do amazing things if you'll jump in. The creator is a comforter. The creator is a helper. The creator is a counselor. All those terms come out of one very loaded Greek term. And I want to talk about that, the fact that he's a counselor. I mean, think about what you'd pay to have a life coach go through life with you. 
like an executive coach to go through your business life or a relationship coach to go through your relational life. Well, imagine if that was the almighty, all-knowing God of the universe as your life coach. How awesome would that be? That's what God's promising. And then next week, we're going to talk about how do you hear from God? Because here's the deal. I have never, ever heard an audible voice from God. But I have experienced his guidance for decades now. And I've also missed it. So Jesus continues in the Gospel of John and says, the creator teaches us what's true. The creator gives peace of mind and takes away our fears. The creator wants to be your friend. The creator is with us in our trials and sorrows and helps us to overcome them. See, this 60-60 experiment doesn't mean life's going to be perfect. You're not going to have struggles. No, you will. Life will be tough, but God will be with you through those storms. And finally, the idea of this whole experiment is not just to pray. Ultimately, it's to experience God's radical love for you and allow him to teach you how to radically love others. And that's a summary of the message of John 15, 9 to 11. The creator wants us to remain moment by moment in his love, to stay connected to him so he can produce his love and his joy in us. Like, why wouldn't you want to do life with a God like that? So if you'll commit 60 days and go all in, I bet you you'll never turn back. So let's pray together. And then we'll let the experiment begin. God, I want to thank you so much that you have made this so simple. We don't have to prove ourselves. We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to fix or clean up our act. We just have to come to you, to connect to you, and learn and allow you to produce your fruit in and through us. And you will do that. You've promised to do that. So God, help us to do the one thing that is necessary, to be with you, to listen, to pay attention, to talk with you, and to do that more and more. God, I pray that you would help us to encourage one another in this practice as well. I just can't wait to see what you're going to do in and through us as we take you at your word and really put this into practice. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so as we dismiss today, I really, really, really want to challenge you to do this, okay? Get, get the cell phone, get the watch, set it for every 60 minutes, and watch what God does. You guys have a great one.